Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll tell you what, you're very lucky that Taylor Twelman's on hold. Otherwise, I would spend the next four hours talking about that Sports Center update. I'm going to do a 30 for 30 on that Sports Center update. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the program presented by Together Credit Union, the great Taylor Twelman. Morning, Taylor. Hey, buddy. How are you? I have been anticipating this uh, conversation ever since Sunday at about... Uh, no, you haven't. Ses- no, you haven't. Yes, I because I'm texting with my soccer compadres, and they are looking forward to it as well. And I know that you are going to come loaded for bear, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, give me the autopsy on, on what took place in this series. Uh, I, I fear this six weeks before this series kicked off. I saw signs of regressions, the wrong word, but I wouldn't, I'm going to say regression to the mean when you look at real deep analytics of what St. Louis City had done and what they accomplished. First off, unbelievable season. Unbelievable regular season. Nobody expected it. But when you look at the Seattle, the Vancouver game, you look at what Sporting Kansas City did going into the playoffs. I said it, what was it, October 17th? They're the last team I would want to play yeah. if I was anyone in MLS because they were hitting all the right metrics in style and they were desperate for such a long time. So they were emotionally competent. They were emotionally prepared. And St. Louis City just wasn't. So how much of that was Sporting KC and how much of that was City? Because we saw a trend that you made reference to, uh, you know, six, seven weeks ago that concerned you. Then I suppose you combine it with a red hot team that might look a little deceptive because they were the eighth seed. But this team wasn't necessarily looking like itself, at least what we had seen for the first three quarters of the year in that final quarter. It's a great question. You answered it. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I think combined. it's the convolutions of both coming together, yeah. right? So I, I, I thought Seattle-Vancouver were arguably the two worst performances of the year for St. Louis City, and they came at the worst time. Mm-hmm. And then match one against Sporting Kansas City unequivocally was the worst game they had played. There is an emotional connection you have as a team when you go through moments like these. St. Louis City never had pressure on them, ever. Because they were always talking about, well, we, no one predicted this. No one thought anything of this. Then all of a sudden, they win the West. And what do they do after that? They lose to Vancouver. They lose to Seattle at home. They lose 4-1 to their rival at home. And so what people don't understand, and a lot of St. Louis fans were upset when I brought this up in the broadcast. But, Tim, as a player and as a team, when you go through moments, they become your ritual, they become your connection. Sporting Kansas City went winless in the first 10. They've been desperate for four months. St. Louis City never had pressure on them, ever. And then the moment they got rid of the chip on their shoulder by winning the West, 
they lost four in a row. Yeah. Yeah. The uh the time of possession, the stats that you guys focused on, on on Sunday night's broadcast, uh, and how they just didn't know what to do with the ball. I mean that, that we talked about it last Tuesday and it looked a, a lot like that uh on, on Sunday night. The first ten, fifteen minutes there was some pressure, but not necessarily great chances, and then the script flipped uh for the remainder of the first half. What did you notice? I mean, there certainly were some lineup changes. What did you notice? as far as the game plan uh, and, and and what was able to be executed and, and what they came up short on on Sunday? Well, what's interesting is I think when you talk about the possession stat, that's going to be the growth that has to come in year two. Because 11 games, they had 49% possession or more. They lost nine of those. And so they're going to have to find a way, one, to grow, And listen, this is year one, Tim, so any kind of constructive criticism I'm giving anyone else is given, you still would take the the season that you just had, right? But now what do you do from year one to year two is arguably going to be the most important part of this franchise history. And the reason why I say that is because if you find a way to combine the style of play that you inhibited this year with the ability to progress it in possession, you can't lose... 9 of 11 when you have 50% possession of the ball. And when you have less than 40%, you can't win 8 of those 9. Because guess what that tells you? The formula is written in the cards. And yeah. that's where yeah. I think Lutz Fonenshield is going to have to find a way to say, hang on a minute, we got to work on plan B. And if they find a plan B, they go out and sign, in my opinion, four legitimate starting players. I think then you're talking about a real growth in a foundation for this team and this franchise to be very successful for years to come. They're just going to have to find those pieces. But there was no plan B. The league knew it. Everybody knew it. And their plan A worked for a long time. But when pressure cooks and gets higher, that's where it exposed it a little bit. And I'm not surprised because this is their first year of existence and it's the first real season these players have been together. Where are, in your mind at this moment, Taylor, the specific spots you would look to for improvements? Well, one, if you get in the highest level of this game around the world, your fullbacks have to be really good on the ball. They've got to be able to release that pressure. I think they've got to find a consistent midfielder, defensive midfielder that is a destroyer. I think Blum was good, but he was inconsistent. I think he's a viable piece, but I think they've got to find someone that is in that position because if you look at every good team in this league and in their history, that's the most important position. And they've got to find, I, I just look at this team, you got to find players that are competent on the ball and that want to be on the ball. And so you could argue there's so many spots, right? But the, the ones I'm telling you are the ones at the highest of levels where everybody wants fullbacks that are good on the ball. They want a defensive midfielder that's good on it. And I'm not saying the guys they have now aren't going to be part of the team next year. But I think in order to find a plan B, there's got to be progression in about four spots on the field. 
What do you think is a, a realistic expectation for next year? I think in a way, from a, a casual fan expectation standpoint, they may be a bit out of whack considering what transpired this year. And as you were just saying, the formula was out there for anybody to see based on that that data on the on the time of possession. So if fans are going in next year going hoping for or expecting a repeat of, of year one, there may be some disappointments. What do you think is a realistic expectation for year two? I think that's a great question. I think it's too soon to ask, but let me give you perspective on what you just said, because I think it's a fantastic question. I think it's part of the conversation that bothered City fans when I had this over this playoff series. And what I mean by this is that they had 56 points on the year. But when you look at the analytics of the season, it should have been 43 to 45. Hmm. And so what that means is there were certain anomalies that had happened. I'm saying that because, one, this year was unreal, unlike anything I've ever seen. But, two, I think that's where you got to look at where's the real progression next year. I think it's too hard to look at it now. I think you're going to ask me that question January 15th, February 1st, when we see who Lutz Fondenstiel brings in, what the roster looks like, and then I can give you a better answer to that. But I need the St. Louis City fan to understand there's no homism here. It's fact. They had 56 point on, points on the year, but when you look at all the analytics, they should have had anywhere from 43 to 45. Okay, 46, I'll give you – you follow where I'm going. Sure, absolutely. They outkicked their 100%. coverage. They surprised the heck out of everybody. So that's where you're like, oh, okay, so what if next year they get 56 points, but I tell you they should have had 55 to 57. Guess what? They, they did exactly what they're supposed to do. That's why it's a, such a hard question to a- answer now – because you don't know the roster, you don't know the players. But then once you see that, you got to really think next level when you look at what St. Louis City did this year. And I think that stat that I just gave you tells you 12 to 14 points higher than what the analytics tell you. Oh, my word, they had an unbelievable season. Taylor Twelman, our guest here on Tuesdays. He is presented to you by Together Credit Union on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. We may not know the roster, but barring a really big surprise, Bradley Carnell will be leading this team in year two. I I think this is going to be a big test for him. I would imagine you think that is uh, the case as well because teams kind of figured out how to play against City, uh, and he didn't necessarily have a plan B. It also correlated with Lewin's drop in form as well, but Carnell with a full year under his belt may be able to figure some things out. What do you think about Bradley Carnell and what he is going to try to alter for year two? Well, I voted for him for MLS Coach of the Year, so there's no debate about that. He's done unbelievably well in that first year, and he'd be the first person behind closed doors that would probably give you three or four examples of what he's learned. I think the biggest question for Bradley Carnell, and he knows this, he's actually said this and defended this a little bit, but look at the New York Red Bulls. The moment they instituted this style of play years ago, what happens in the playoffs? And that's the question. You've got to find a way to use it to your advantage, which you did in the regular season, but is there a plan B? And it's way less tactical, and it's more so the ability to have players that fit both styles. I think that's the biggest question. And I think that's going to be an interesting part to this offseason. But Bradley Carnell did exactly what he was supposed to do and then some in year one. But the proof is in the pudding. Year two, they've got to find a way to get plan B. Is it tactical? Sure. I think it's more of having a collection of players that can give you both 
So then, for instance, Tim, not to go down the rabbit hole, but look at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the Dortmunds of the world. The ones that play these high-pressing styles but also have the ability to have players to play the game. Find plan B. I think if you have more personnel that can give you both, the better off they'll be. Uh, final thought. I would imagine you share this, and probably your cohorts at Apple TV share this. It's a real shame that while it was incredible to see the fan support didn't surprise me, honestly, I expected it to be great. It was actually greater than I expected. But it's a real shame that St. Louis only got one playoff game considering the magnitude of the surprising success of the regular season and how great it would have been to have a winner-take-all game three against Sporting KC this Saturday. Um, any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, listen, Tim, I'm, I'm answering this question. I'm walking down Fifth Avenue in New York. I just left the league office. Uh, what St. Louis has done for this league, what St. Louis has done for Apple, there's not a conversation I've had in the last six months that hasn't brought up St. Louis and the potential of what this league is now having that. It's in the, 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 what they did this year and that fan base and that ownership group and those players, I think anyone from the city is extremely proud to say St. Louis City is now an MLS and they represented the city at the highest of their abilities. It is unfortunate, but I'm not going to take anything away. Sporting Kansas City was the better team. They were the better team in both games. St. Louis City didn't deserve a game three. But what this city was about, Tim, it it gives me goosebumps talking about it. And yet I'm in New York City, and the two conversations I've had this morning is about what St. Louis did this year and how people are disappointed they didn't get a game three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the atmosphere for that on Saturday. Can you even imagine what that scene would have looked like, especially considering we're having some uh, pretty temperate weather for November in St. Louis? Would have been something else, but nonetheless, February through October was more than we could have ever expected, and the fans certainly showed out whatever year one it was. Taylor, every Tuesday I looked forward to the conversations and really enjoyed your perspective, and I appreciate that you don't really care if you get criticism or not. You give your opinion, so God bless, man, and we'll look forward to talking it over uh, next year in year two. Thank you so much for your contributions on the show this year, brother. Bud, we just talked to MLS in St. Louis for nine months. How about that? Pinch me. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Taylor Twelman in New York, giving us his perspective as always on Tuesdays here on 101 ESPN. Taylor, thanks so much, man. Yeah, he hopped off there right there. I, I, I was worried he was under arrest or something. <laughs> Fifth Avenue, that'll, sure. It's hotbed. Yeah, uh, Taylor Twelman, your thoughts are welcome. Three one four three nine 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 six four six, and of course, you are welcome to participate in the chat on YouTube. We'll give our thoughts on what he had to say and read some of the many texts, both on our Cardinal discussion and Taylor Twelman's comments as we wrap up the program and hand it off to BK and Ferrario. This is Balloon Party on One Hundred and One ESPN and YouTube.